0: So the reading today is taken from Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 14 and continuing to verse 21. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. Raul Amundsen. He, of the fame that got to the South Pole before poor Scott did, he had a nervous wife. He was a Norwegian polar explorer. And his wife was nervous when he was travelling. Not, I suggest, without reason. He had a bright idea. When he was going up north one time, he decided he'd take a homing pigeon with him. So he had this homing pigeon in the box, and when he got up onto the roof of the world... He let the homing pigeon go. I would have thought you'd get one frozen homing pigeon. But surprise, surprise, several days later, over his home in Norway, his wife looked out the window, and there was the homing pigeon. And she leapt out into the street, shouting and crying, He's alive! He's alive! Well, it wasn't a homing pigeon, but it was a dove that descended on Jesus. Showing God's favour, putting God's Spirit, God's life, into his Saviour. And it was that Holy Spirit that enabled Jesus to quote from Isaiah chapter sixty one the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. These verses, in a sense, are Jesus' mission statement. And we're going to think this morning about how we can emulate Jesus in his mission. Now, last Sunday, if you were very attentive, you may have noticed when the sparklers group came back, to, back into church, they were all carrying a balloon. They'd been thinking about the great banquet, and no party is complete without its good quota of balloons. So I brought mine this morning. Not very impressive. They're in a bit of a sorry state, really, these balloons. They remind me of sort of lifeless test tubes that you used to have in your chemistry lessons. No good at all for celebrating anything. No good for party games. But you know what's gonna happen next, don't you? You'll have to wait a minute. And as we enter Luke chapter 4, the bit before the bit that Sean read, the first words that we hear are that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had returned from Jordan. Why Jordan? Because he was baptised by John in the Jordan to receive the Holy Spirit. And Jesus having received this Holy Spirit in John 20, we te- he tells us, that he breathed on his disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. And then in Acts chapter 22, we read that when the day of Pentecost came, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came down from heaven and filled the whole house, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Pink or yellow? I think I'll go for pink. The disciples, I would suggest, were fairly limp and ineffective until Jesus breathed on them and filled them with his Holy Spirit. And then they were transformed. And a minutes ago, this balloon was fairly unimpressive, but now it's energized with wind and it has potential and no little power. I'm not sure I get any bonus points for landing it in the chalice on the uh, communion table, do I? Thank you. Thank you. Gone like the wind. But that balloon is transformed. It's transformed for nothing into something with potential and power. You can see it. You can hear it. And that's what the Holy Spirit of God does in our hearts. He comes so that we can be seen. He comes so that we can be heard. He comes so that we can be moved. He comes so that we can be filled with his mission. So the question is, what is his mission? I don't know if you've ever been involved with an organisation at work or a charity that has a mission statement. The groan starts here, a mission statement. Somehow we think it's a modern invention. But actually, what we read here in Luke 4 from Isaiah 61 is Jesus' mission statement. This passage is recorded by both Matthew and Mark, but they have it in the middle of Jesus' ministry. But somehow Luke plucks it out of chronological order and tags it straight after Jesus' temptations. And he does it for this purpose. He wants us to understand That right at the beginning of his ministry, this is his mission. And everything else we read about Jesus, we can put in that context. I'd like to read a little bit of a fuller version, the original text from Isaiah 61. Where Isaiah says, meaning talking about Jesus, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That's Jesus' mission. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Luke has already outlined that. As he arrives in the desert for his temptations, he is full of the Holy Spirit. As he comes into the synagogue, he is full of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me. He's the anointed one, he's the chosen one, to preach good news to the poor. Now that's poor, not poor as in people don't have any money. That's the poor in spirit. He sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners, not those in jail but those who are spiritually prisoners of Satan. He's he's come to bring sight to the blind, not those who can't see, but those who are ignorant that they are spiritually lost. He's come to release the oppressed, not those suffering under Roman occupation, but those suffering under fears and doubts, under desires, under lusts. He's come to declare the Lord's favour, Salvation is here. So how do we put all that and summarise it simply? I'd like to say it suggests this. It's one word. He's come to proclaim freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from judgement, freedom from death, and freedom from fear. Jesus has come to declare and deliver freedom to his people. A young man named Rod was born on the right side of the law. He had to be because his father was a police inspector and his family were Christians. Everything is in his favour, except one thing. He gets dragged along by his peer group. This leads to drugs and his life begins to slide. Drugs leads to addiction. He's trapped. Addiction leads to drug dealing. And drug dealing leads to four years imprisonment. How far has this man Rod fallen from the family that represented the law and followed Jesus? Doesn't that sound like this passage in Isaiah 61? Doesn't that sound like somebody whose mission Jesus was aimed at? The poor, the prisoner, the blind, the oppressed? And in one way or another, that's what sin does to all of us. Where we once had fe- freedom, we become trapped. We become imprisoned. And while in prison, Rod, in desperation, calls out to God and asks God to reveal himself. And that's Jesus' mission, to declare God's favour. Rod's prayer is answered. He is born again of the Spirit of God. He becomes a Christian, and after leaving Prison, he becomes an evangelist for CAP and he becomes an accomplished musician, uh, magician, or should I say, illusionist. Well, you and I have the privilege of hearing this man, Rod Williams, because he's coming here to Christchurch on the 5th of April and he's coming to put on a show and to give his testimony to all our CAP clients. But it's a fundraiser, we're selling tickets, and you're invited too. So you've got to get a ticket and you've got to come and hear the amazing story because that's the story of Jesus setting the prisoner free. And Jesus calls us to be filled with his Holy Spirit so that we can declare his salvation. His mission has become our mission and he wants us to take up our cross, to follow him and to declare the freedom that he brings. But we're not to be naive. If you read the whole of chapter 4 of Luke, it's bookended by opposition. The first part is Jesus being tempted in the desert by Satan. And after this event in the synagogue where he reads Isaiah 61, the congregation take the preacher and try and throw him off a cliff. Jesus they try to kill. Jesus has come to set the captives free, but the captives don't want to be freed. There's a struggle. It's not easy. In fact, it's downright dangerous. But for Jesus, what makes the difference is that he's clear about his mission and he's empowered by the Holy Spirit. His mission is to save people who are in the grip of Satan. And he's quite clear about it. He doesn't add anything to it. He doesn't deviate from it. He's utterly single-minded about it. Nothing and no one is going to distract him from doing his father's will. He doesn't spend time contemplating another future. He doesn't think about his financial security. He doesn't think about getting married. He doesn't think about having a family, caring for his relatives, all those things that occupy us, though they are important, nothing is in comparison with the eternal future of mankind. It pales into, into, into insignificance. And Jesus was clear about his mission, unequivocal, irrespective of the opposition he had absolute focus and what made this possible how could he withstand and overcome all that was ahead it was the power of the holy spirit that was upon him twice in this chapter he's attacked twice he is victorious in the power of the spirit he overcomes the temptation in the desert in the power of the spirit he just walks through the crowd who were trying to throw him off a cliff When we turn from sin, as Jesus did in the desert, then the power of the Holy Spirit is released in our lives. If we resist the devil, he will flee from us. But if we give in to temptation, then we forfeit the Spirit's power. Paul wrote two letters to a young man named Timothy. And in those, he urges him again and again to fight the good fight To resist temptation. To put on the full armour of God. Jesus' mission has become our mission. His calling has become our calling. And his Holy Spirit has become our Holy Spirit. That's what made Jesus victorious. Filled with the Spirit. Resisting temptation. Clear about his mission. Is that true of us? Are we resisting temptation? Are we clear on what God is calling us to do? Are we filled with his Holy Spirit? You know, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is telling us a a parable, and there are a few very poignant words in it, which I find very telling. He says this. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians four that although as Christians, we won't face the judgment seat of God for our sin, Yet we will be judged for our works and we will be rewarded accordingly. And when we are judged, will God find that we have been good stewards, faithful partners in His mission, that we will have counted the cost and been faithful, that we will have been filled with His Spirit? That's His call on your life. That's His call on my life. How do we respond? Let's just bow our heads for a moment of quiet as God's Spirit searches our hearts. He asks us the question Are we being faithful to our Savior? Have we grasped all the armor of God to fight temptation? Have we accepted the need? To emulate Jesus in his mission? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us and empower us with all the fullness of Almighty God? Let us recommit ourselves to him and ask for that filling that our lives may give glory to his name. Father, we humble ourselves before you this morning. There is no pretending. You see everything. You know our every thought. You hear our every word. And we are sorry that we have put up such a poor fight against temptation. We are sorry that we have not taken you seriously. We are sorry that our hearts remain so unmoved by your mission. Father, we repent of our many failures. Wash us clean, we pray. As we read in our daily reading this morning, give us clean hands and a pure heart. Empty us of pride. Fill us with your spirit. Empower and impassion us, we pray. And may we in eternity hear our Saviour's words Well done, good and faithful servant. For the glory of your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if the music group would like to come up, we're going to sing a great hymn of Charles Wesley, Jesus, the name high over all, on earth or sky, in hell or earth or sky. Jesus' name is pervasive. It is the great name we praise. It is the name that we lift up this morning as we worship. So we're going to stand to sing, Jesus, the name high over all.